What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. This is The Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. President Biden and other government officials have pledged to do something to ease the burden of the student debt crisis. The Debt Collective actually took action, closing out more than a million dollars in debt owed by hundreds of students at Bennett College. But the organization says politicians need to step up and do their part. One in 14 individuals have considered taking their own lives because of a really crushing debt burden. So we're talking about something that is shaping every waking decision of people's lives. And the solution is so simple and the problem is so grave. And so I think that's why we're seeing this sort of groundswell of support right now for people to say, we really just need to cancel this debt altogether. It just shouldn't exist. Building a path to solve the student debt crisis coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Education is supposed to be a ladder to success in the U.S., but in recent years, it has emerged as a key stepping stone into a lifetime of debt. Americans owe approximately $1.7 trillion. You heard me, $1.7 trillion in student debt, more than they owe on credit cards or car loans. And the burden of that debt falls more heavily on African-Americans. While President Biden has paused student loan payments for the pandemic, efforts at a permanent or systematic solution seem stalled. That's one reason why the Debt Collective, an organization that advocates for student and other debt forgiveness, stepped up. It announced last week that it had engineered a way to forgive more than $1 million in student debt of 500 students at North Carolina's Bennett College. It's a dramatic move but only part of what the Debt Collective says is needed to end the student debt crisis. Braxton Brewington is the spokesperson for the Debt Collective, and he joins us now. Braxton, welcome to A Word. Thank you for having me. Tell me, what is Debt Collective? And tell me a little bit about how you guys put it together. So the Debt Collective is a debtors union. We are the nation's first union of debtors modeled after a labor union. So we believe in the same way that workers can come together and demand better working conditions, higher pay. We believe debtors in this age of finance capitalism can do the same. So we can demand outright write downs, cancellations, entire transformations to our economy. So one thing that we do is we purchase and erase debt on the secondary debt market through one of our sister initiatives called the Rolling Jubilee Fund. So for those who don't know, you can literally buy debt for pennies on the dollar. This is what debt collectors do in a very shitty and predatory way. So rather than collect on it and like a debt collector, we erase it. And so that's exactly what we did with this Bennett purchase. We only spent $50,000, but that was able to get us $1.7 million worth of these unpaid bills. And so we use that 
as a form of solidarity and mutual aid, right? This is no longer a weight on these women's shoulders, but also to politicize what we call a very phony morality of debt, right? It sort of exposes all of these questions. Now people start to ask, well, why can't I buy my debt for three pennies on the dollar? Why is there's this sort of secondary market that I don't have access to? And so we also like to say, like, listen, we can't buy everyone's federal student loans, right? Those are owned by the federal government. That's something that President Biden can do. And so this sort of direct action, this political act that is really snazzy is a great way to draw attention to this debt market and also that President Biden has the authority to completely wipe out this debt on his own. What made you choose Bennett College? What was it about Bennett that that's where you guys wanted to sort of start your big public splash of a mission? So I should start by highlighting Bennett's collaboration with us on this, right? This is not something that the university had to do. In fact, Every university may not want to do this because, unfortunately, there's a profit motive here and there are some institutions that want to keep debtors in debt. So we, in particular, chose Bennett College because, you know, Bennett is one of only two HBCUs for women in the nation, other than Spelman College. We also wanted to highlight this promise that President Biden made. So many times people hear Biden said he would cancel $10,000 for every single borrower, and that's definitely true. Beyond that, he also said if you went to any public college or any HBCU, public or private, you would cancel all of your federal student debt if you make under $125,000 a year. And so we want to say, hey, these are the exact types of former students uh, and some graduates who actually would benefit from student debt cancellation if Biden were to simply just keep his promise. And so We also know that we're at a moment where people are struggling right now from COVID and disproportionately these women have been likely burdened in the labor market by the intersection of being both black and a woman. And also as just, you know, the student debt crisis is ballooning right now. We really just wanted to take a burden off of people's shoulders. How do you go about raising money and who do you go to raise money to just pay off people's debt? Like, how does that work? No, it's, it's really tricky. So we're a dues-funded union. So people, some people pay $0 a month because that's what they can afford. Some people pay $5. Some people pay more. We also have sometimes private donors will come in to say, I want my sort of donation to go to this. And so it's a combination of those factors. But this is why we have a debtors union and why we're organizing around this politically, because we can't purchase everyone's debt. And this model of purchasing people's debt and erasing it is unsustainable, frankly, right? You can only purchase debt that's in collections, which once it's reached that point, right, it's it's already been a burden on people's lives. The ultimate goal is to transform the economy, right? So if we could cancel everyone's debt at the end of every semester, which, you know, sort of Biden could do that if he wanted to, right? That's still not the best solution. We really need to make college free. We need public goods to be free, affordable, so that people don't have to go into debt for them in the first place. So there's a variety of ways in which we can raise the money and start to pay off some of these debts. And it's very helpful for people. I don't want to downplay that, but it really is just not the solution. And that's why we have to, you know, use the power of our debtors union. We believe debtors have power, right? Just like in the way that I said that workers do to be able to make these political demands. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more on student debt and relief. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. 
This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered a word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at a word at slate.com. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking with Braxton Brewington of the Debt Collective about student debt relief. So... Do your union dues go to, obviously, sustaining the organization, but your union dues go to paying off student debt? That's what you're saying? In part, yes. Okay, in part. And so do you have to be a debtor to be part of this union? Absolutely not, right? We say debtors and allies all the time. So I think there's this idea of, oh, well, I don't have student debt or I paid it off and I paid off my medical bills and now I'm I'm not a debtor. I can't join the union. No, you absolutely can. But we also want to highlight, even if you are not yourself in debt, your community is probably in debt. And we've really been trying to highlight municipalities pay over $95 billion worth of interest to Wall Street every year, right? Your community, your actual city or town is in debt. K through 12, right? We have kids who are in school lunch debt, right? So debt is really surrounding all of us. And it's more than just an individual. We really like to use this framework of a household debt or community debt. And so, you know, we first want to rethink what it's like to be in debt, right? It's it's more than just sort of your personal finances. It's also about your community, but also, no, you do not have to be in huge or even small amounts of debt to be a part of the union. Talk about some of the stories that you encounter. How does student debt materially impact the lives, especially of millions of black folk? Like, what is this debt doing to your average black person every single day? It's preventing us from really living dignified lives, being able to purchase a home or put a down payment on a home, save for retirement, have children get married. There are so many stories that I've heard of families who are a little bit nervous about getting married because maybe their partner has a large amount of debt. Debt also weighs on our body, right? Like it is a cloud that is hovering over our head. And when we talk about mental health care being a part of physical health care as well, right? There's a huge financial toll that debt has on us. One in 14 individuals have considered taking their own lives because of a really crushing debt burden. So we're talking about something that is shaping every waking decision of people's lives. And the solution is so simple and the problem is so grave. And so I think that's why we're seeing this sort of groundswell of support right now for people to say, we really just need to cancel this debt altogether. It just shouldn't exist. What are the myths that you guys run into out there about people who are in debt and how they got there? I think the first thing that we hear pretty often is that people who have student debt are rich, that they're super, super wealthy. Actually, the super wealthy can afford to pay for college up front. And so it's actually low-income students, black and brown students, women who are burdened in the workplace because of inequitable pay, 
those are actually the folks that take on student debt. You know, another myth that we hear is that taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill for student debt cancellation. That's absolutely not true. In fact, the money has already gone out the door when the loan was lended by the federal government, right? So canceling this debt, just like I showed with the debt collective spending 50K to purchase 1.7 million, right? Debt is worth pennies on the dollar. So not only has this money already gone out the door, it would actually boost the economy if we were to cancel student debt because we'd have millions of folks who would be able to go buy a house. They would go to their local community, put food on the table, put gas in their car. So, you know, that's sort of the second one we hear. The third one that we hear is that, you know, this is just a white issue, right? That like white people have student debt and that sort of mind boggles me. In fact, 90% of black students have to borrow federal dollars in order to go to college. Black students 12 years after graduating are way more likely to default. Their balance is growing, not shrinking. So this is a huge racial justice issue as well. How do you respond to the people out there who are like, I worked five jobs to pay my way through college or, you know, I couldn't go to my dream school. I had to go to community college. Why should I help these other people? There's there's a tremendous resistance out there that you'll hear from people. And I would say I don't think it's particular to the black community, but I know folks who are like, why the heck should we cancel this person's debt when I had to pay off mine? How do you respond when you hear that? I actually sympathize with that. I totally get that. And I know people who are in that situation. That's just not a compelling case for not shifting how we do public policy moving forward so that this doesn't happen to people again. So truly, if you have paid off your student loans, that is something that should not have happened. And I like to make this comparison of really actually several decades ago, now maybe 100 years ago, but it's not that recent. K through 12 education was not free for everyone. You used to have to pay to go to high school. And so then someone said, that's actually a really bad idea. We had a movement to make K through 12 education free. And now it's free, you know, public school because it's public, right? We need to do the same for higher education. And I think there's this sort of deep belief that people need to have some capitalistic skin in the game, right? That you need to do your time just like I did my time. And that's really just a a harsh, penal, you know, carceral way of viewing education. We need to abandon that sort of view and really think of public education as a public good, which is what it used to be, right? You used to be able to go to college for free or a very small fee. And so we're really asking for parity, right? We want to sort of go back to this era that Joe Biden and some of his colleagues have actually been able to experience, which was, you know, some, I looked up the other day and Mitt Romney paid a couple hundred dollars for tuition. When you have those sorts of encounters and when you hear someone say, well, you know, I pay this or I pay that, et cetera, et cetera. How do you convince them that it's not coming out of their pocket? Because Joe Jane Average hears Joe Biden cancels student debt. That means my tax money is canceling the debt of some 20-year-old kid who got a degree in Twitter studies, right? And and I had to pay for my degree at the University of Michigan, you know, Tuskegee campus in 1983. Like, how do you convince them that it's not their tax money that's going to do this? We should start off by saying, listen, student debt payments have been paused since March of 2020, right? Your taxes did not go up. Most people, you know, there's a couple of people who actually are not in the pause and they, they should be included in that pause. But a vast majority of people, millions of tens of millions of people have not made student debt payments over the past 10 years. Your taxes did not go up. The economy has not crashed. In fact, 
things are doing just fine because the federal government doesn't actually expect to get a lot of that money back anyway. So we don't have to look into the future of a guessing game as to what's going to happen if no one makes payments on student debt. It's happening right now and your taxes did not go up. We're going to take a short break. We come back more with Braxton Brewington about the impact of student debt. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about student loan forgiveness with Braxton Brewington of the Debt Collective. So the Debt Collective has its roots in like Occupy Wall Street. How did that movement from 10, 12 years ago lead to this debt union today? The Debt Collective has its roots in Occupy Wall Street. And so there was really birthed this language of the 1% and the 99%, right? These big questions of who owes what to whom. And so out of the Occupy Wall Street actually came Occupy Student Debt Campaign, which then turned into Strike Debt, which then turned into the Debt Collective. So it's a couple of different iterations of something that came out of Occupy Wall Street. And so where we are today is actually sort of something that was largely birthed around 2014. That's when the Debt Collective started the nation's first student debt strike. So that was Corinthian 15. Those were 15 students uh, who went to Corinthian College, which was a private for-profit college. They realized they were all being defrauded by this college, being taken advantage of, being sold a bill of lies. And they banded together and refused to make payments to Corinthian College. It ballooned. It got a lot of attention. The CFPB, Senator Warren got involved. The debt collective flew to Washington, D.C. and demanded these debts be canceled based off of a little known rule called borrower defense to repayment. Fast track now to the Biden administration. These billions of dollars that we're now seeing discharged is largely due to this Corinthian college, the sort of debt collective exposing of borrower defense to repayment, which was these predatory for-profit colleges taking over and, you know, taking advantage of people. So now we're actually seeing a lot of those wins, a lot of that fruit start to bear because people are now getting billions of dollars worth of debt charge. So that's really sort of the origins of the debt collective, you know, Occupy Wall Street and this Corinthian 15 strike, which we're now sort of seeing the results of. A quick thing for point of clarity, what is CFPB? The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is a bureau started by Senator Warren and Barack Obama and their collaboration. So a lot of people, they're calling on President Biden to follow through in his campaign promise to alleviate student debt. You have, you know, Democratic senators who are running on, we're going to cancel your student debt. We're going to cancel your student debt. What do you think is the holdup administratively with Joe Biden? I mean, it's not new. I mean, he has been talking about this. Is it something he can't do by executive order? Is it a holdup in the Senate? What do you think has been keeping him from fulfilling this campaign promise? To be honest, it might be the ideology of Joe Biden, right? This is a man who for decades sided with banks and creditors and not debtors. This is a man who actually championed a really dangerous bankruptcy bill that made it difficult for, you know, now we are not able to discharge our student debt through bankruptcy, the only debt type. So this is a person who's also pretty committed to sort of the commodification of higher education. We can see that in his language where he 
talks about debtors as if they went to Penn and Yale and not as if they went to community college or maybe their state flagship school. So I think this is a person that is a bit out of touch with student debt and student debtors himself, not to mention the people around him, some of his biggest advisors who also have sort of emulated that same type of disregard for higher education and student debt in particular. So I think this is really an ideological battle right now, right? We've already proven that he has the authority to cancel this debt. President Obama, President Trump, President Biden have eliminated some amount of student debt, all of them. We've So we've gone over the legal matter. We've made the political argument. And so now I think we're just sort of up against Joe Biden himself, who's for some reason has not developed the political will yet, but I think it's coming. What can regular people do if they want to see this change? I mean, is it just a matter of, you know, getting more Democrats in the Senate? Is it just a matter of, you know, is is it getting certain Republicans in the Senate? Is it a certain kind of governor? What can regular people do to get the administration to move on this issue? Well, first, I'm going to encourage people to join the Debt Collective. We've been able to develop a lot of wins over the past few years. This is an issue that rests with President Biden. He is the sole person who has the authority to eliminate this debt with the flick of a pen. And so Democrats have control of Congress right now, and they're still not able to pass a bill, right? And so that's why we're sort of directing our attention to Biden to do whatever he can with his authority, which right now is to eliminate all federal student debt. So people have really got to make their voices heard in a variety of different ways, whether that's tweeting, joining our actions, doing something digitally, but also maybe telling your congressperson if they're not calling on Biden to cancel this debt to to sort of take that one-up approach as well so he can hear directly from his colleagues. What do you suggest to someone who is confronted with crushing debt? The person who's I'm 26, I'm 36, I'm 46. Hell, I could be 56, right? And I have debts beyond my means from my education. I'm going to be taken under. What advice do you have for people in that situation? Well, right now, because I think we're so politically close to getting to cancellation, my number one advice is I wouldn't recommend paying your student debt while payments are paused. I think you're better off keeping that money in your pocket. Next, I would ask think about joining the Debt Collective Student Debt Strike. So the Debt Strike, which has been endorsed by, you know, Maxine Waters, Tlaib, other representatives of Congress, is actually sort of this really fascinating way to get people to have their payments get as low as possible. A lot of these forgiveness programs, unfortunately, don't work. They're very broken. Public service loan forgiveness, income-driven repayment programs, those are sort of options that hypothetically would get you to cancellation after 10 years or 20 years, but that is a really long time. And so what I would encourage people to do, you know, is actually to join the Debt Collective's student debt strike. It's not going to work for everyone, but those are ways to get your payment as low as possible, which is really taking advantage of some of the programs that the Department of Education already has, which is actually just incentivizing people to pay as low as possible. Does that mean your interest might grow? Yes, that's just going to have to be a decision that you sort of have to make for yourself, whether it's, you know, if you can bet on cancellation happening in the future. But I would encourage people to join the Debt Collective Student Debt Strike and and start there. Braxton Brewington is an organizer with the Debt Collective, a group that aims to eliminate what it sees as unjust debt. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. 
And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Jasmine Ellis. Alicia Montgomery is the vice president of audio at Slate. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for Word.